Yeah, yeah, it's a little early. <laughs> Yoni's the shushka. Okay, okay. I feel like this is a, a common introduction already. I'm going to talk about something that isn't brought down in Shulchan Aruch and the Rambam. It's a minig vasik in Yisrael, which I think is, is right in our wheelhouse. That's what we like to explore. So um, I'm going to start with that. I grabbed the... I'm not sure. Okay, fine. So I, I want to talk about uh, the, some of the minhagim of Shevivim. Everyone's familiar. The, the, six, the first six parshias of... Uh, Shemais are the acrostic of Shevivim, and there's various Minhagim and Klaus all about it. I think what became very well known and very famous is the, after the Arizal, the Tamid Arizal, the, the Mikubalim's, you know, uh, cook on Shevivim and the specific Averis that Shevivim is Misakin for, and the school of the, the, the school of Sazman that Shevivim is Misakin was Averis. But I don't just want to uh, be Mark of the Uriah a little bit, and, and maybe just. Start from the beginning a little. Now, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a, a side trip to get here, just because I think it's interesting and worth sharing, and we'll, we'll circle back around to how this connects to Shevivim. So, so as follows. I think everybody's familiar that in the early 1800s, there were the Napoleonic Wars in Europe, right? Napoleon rose to power in France in the 1800, and there was a series of the Napoleonic Wars where... One after the other, he launched different campaigns against different part of, parts of Europe and the world, Bukhlal. And he was uh, fabulously successful in the beginning. He conquered tremendous amounts of, of uh, territory and resources. And uh, many coalitions rose to battle him and were met with, uh, with failure. He was uh, fabulously successful. And Napoleon's success led to a whole, like, a whole uh, genre of rabbinic commentary on Napoleon, pro or against. Many, many different rabbanim spoke pro, pro or against Napoleon if they wanted him to be successful or not successful. Now, the, for, so let's just uh, get some, some of what we're talking about. So Napoleon, Napoleon starts his campaign, let's say, in the year 1800, the whole thing lasts about 14 years. By 1814, I think he was exiled the first time. He escapes, he comes back, he launches one more final round of his battles, and then by 1815, he's off the global scene, and he dies six years later on an island, uh, what did he say? No, Waterloo's, Waterloo's one of the, the main battles that turned the tide against him. Waterloo's where the English repel him, the Russians have their story, the English have their story, the Austrians have their story, there's a lot of different stories, but he gets retired to an island, I think that's called maybe, what do you say? Elba and St. Helena. I'm not sure which one's the first one, which is the second one. One of them he goes to first and he escapes. That might be Elba. And then the second round he goes to St. Helena and then he's not heard from again in 1815. That's the end. And he writes an autobiography, which is actually very interesting, full of his, uh, his uh, shvachim and successes. And, uh, and um, six years later he dies over there. Now, so some of the, the primary people who were affected by Napoleon were the Eastern European Rebus, because I'll explain why. The, the Rebus who lived in Russia and Lita and Poland lived under extremely oppressive conditions, right? There was, uh, 
governments that were raided for them very, very much, and they weren't able to, to practice their religion freely as they desired. Now, Napoleon, one of the main pieces of his campaign was equality. Napoleon was going around the world pushing equality. He wanted that everyone should be equal. So when Napoleon would show up in a town, if he would conquer a swath of Russia and the Jews who lived there, they would suddenly find themselves with a lot more freedom than they had, than they had until that point. So it was, a very, um, it was very important to the Jews. Are they pro or are they against? Napoleon himself had a particular obsession with the Jews. There's many, many stories of him asking Jews, Marshall, that Napoleon, you know, when he was doing very well, decided that he wanted to have a Sanhedrin. Maybe I'm sure some people have heard of that. Napoleon wanted to have a Sanhedrin. He called the Rav David Sinsheim, the Mechaber of Shut Nishal David, which is a multi-volume safer, a bona fide Tamar Chacham by all accounts. And he presented him with a whole list of, of like questions about Yiddishkeit in the lead up to forming a Bezdin. And the Nishal David wrote a tshuva to Napoleon where he answers all his different questions. We have that tshuva. The Chassam Sefer commented on that tshuva that one could not have done a better job. Like the Nishal David did a perfect job of threading the needle of staying authentic but still saying things that wouldn't be you know, damaging or to the detriment of the Jews. Napoleon conquered Eretz Yisrael, or good chalakim of it. He went from Egypt and then he went up you know, the coastline of Eretz Yisrael. He conquered many cities in Eretz Yisrael. Napoleon had a thing with the Jews and the Jews had a thing with Napoleon. So... The, the, one of the most famous uh, rabbis who had uh, you know, major, major bikiris and critique of Napoleon was the Alta Rebbe, the Balatanya. The Balatanya Kaidu was very, very against Napoleon. The Marshal, the, the, I think the, the, the Kedushas Levi, the Kedushas Levi felt that Napoleon was a guy gumagag and was worth investing in. The, the Kajnitz Magid, we saw all the Magid of Kajnitz, felt that Napoleon was, was going to be the future, it was going to save Klai, so this was going to be the prelude to be a Mashiach, the Alter Rebbe was extremely, extremely against Napoleon. In, in the, in, in, by Hasidim, they say a story that, that the Rosh Hashanah was Nigzar and Shemayim, that Rosh Hashanah was going to be the time where the Alter Rebbe and the Rebbe who were against Napoleon and the Kajnitz Magid and Mendel of Rimanov and the Rebbe who were pro-Napoleon were going to be able to hash it out in Shemayim. And it seems that all the Rebbe's on the various sides of this equation were aware of the, you know, the seminal moment of Rosh Hashanah of that year that was coming. And each one of them made their plans to, to try to tip the scale. And uh, in the court of the Kajnitz Magid, they, they got up, they went to the mikveh, they davened with tremendous islahavas, they got the tkiyas, went to the mikveh again, tikunim, they blew tkiyas as best, as, as, as well as it's ever been blown before in Kajnitz. And then at the end of it, the, the Magid said, the Litvak, which is strange, he was referring to the Balatanya who lived in Lita, the Litvak They found that after Rosh Hashanah, that in, in, in uh, Liadi or Liazhna, or wherever the Balatanya was living at that time, the Balatanya had risen the second time and was Mahapach Liyotras. Before Davening even started, he blew the whole Sidrav of uh, Tkiyas, got it out of the way, did it properly, was the first one at the table, and then the, and the, he was Minatseach. In Chabad is another legend. I'm just I'm digressing here for a minute, just because it's it's uh, to me it's interesting. So I'm digressing for a minute. In Chabad is another legend that uh, the Rebbe Kaidu had a son, Reb Moshe, who um, was not a, was not a Chabad was not a Chabadnik. He spoke Russian. He wrote Russian. He didn't live. Uh, you know, a lot of people a lot of people feel he wasn't from. Uh, you know, in the later half of his life, but the, the Alter Rebbe had a son, Reb Moshe, who in Chabad they say the Rebbe sent him to Napoleon's camp to be a spy because he was a polyglot, he spoke many languages, he was a cultured individual, to be a spy for the Russian government. And he, 
you know, uh, made himself comfortable in, in the French HQ. And everything that he would hear back, he would report to, to the Russian commanders on the front. And he was, uh, you know, a big contributor to, to the defeat of Napoleon at the hands of the Russian. Now, Chabad has a march that they say, that they sing on Yom Kippur, no less, which is called Napoleon's March. That's the name of the song. It's called Napoleon's March. The legend goes that Napoleon had a march prepared for his victory march in France that he was planning on using. And the Alter Rebbe's son, Ramesha, stole the victory march. And by stealing the victory march and bringing it back to Chabad for them to be Makadashit on Yom Kippur, he stole Napoleon's potential for a victory. When one takes the victory march, Vice says, it's, you take the whole victory. You don't just take the, the victory march, the song. Uh, so there's, there's many, many of these legends in, in the different Hasidic courts about uh, how to look at Napoleon. So now, now let me try to bring us back to Shevim for a second. So, so the Chsam Seifer, the Chsam Seifer lived in, in uh, Preshburg, which was uh, at that time part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire. Preshburg was a city that was set siege. Napoleon set siege to the city of Pressburg. It was right on a river. It was a very important city. Napoleon set siege. And the Chsam Seifer has, a, has, I guess you could call it kind of an autobiography. In Sefer Azikaran, the Chsam Seifer writes like different things that happened, his story. And in Sefer Azikaran, he spends a lot of time writing about the siege on Pressburg and how it affected his kehillah. And he writes about the day that it started. And he, just to hear the Chsam Seifer describe the sound of, of crashing cannonballs and the way he's describing the scenes of battle between the French and the Austrians at the, you know, on the banks of the river of the city and the Jews hid in the shul and then he talks about how it got worse and they set siege and it progressively got worse until finally the Jewish Kehillah had to run away from Pressburg and the Chesifer left his, the, the Kehillah left Pressburg for a certain number of months. I think it's about six or seven months that they left and the Chesifer, it, it's Sam, it's, it's a great read because the Chesifer in his way, like he's Mishalev Kalatari Kula just in retelling like a mundane story, like eh, the amount of Gemaris and like by the way, once I'm talking about this, I said a drusha, and it could be like an eight-page digression about a drusha, about, like, the Chumsefer, it's, it's, it's just, it's beautiful to read in any case. But Chumsefer writes the, the story of the city of Pressburg and, and their interaction with Napoleon. He writes against Napoleon, that uh, we're hoping that our, our, our Austrian forces will be Menatzeach eventually. Now, we don't know if he felt that way because he agreed with the Balatanya that Napoleon was bad for Jews, like if freedom is bad for Jews, or... Stam because he was living in, under Austrian territory and he didn't have a choice to say something different. But Bukhalif and the Sefer, they write, you know, anti-Napoleon. Now, at the end of it, when they're finally, when the battle finally ends and the Austrians retake, uh, retake the city, so then the Chassam Sefer writes as follows, and this is the part that has to do with, with our topic. I'll read it. The Chassam Sefer writes that, um, so he says, he says as follows, hang on. I'm an old man, I can't do the pages. He says as follows. He says, "B'yoyim alef heimar cheshven kol hatayr nishma kol ram begilgal achazer miyagin lesimcha." Loud kol goes out. Something changing us over miyagin lesimcha ki asu shalem zem zem. A ceasefire was reached between the Austrians and the French. V'kana asreifa nishmas b'chali reinu en kol anos b'chamikim kol sasim v'simcha. And the kol that's that's reverberating in the kila has changed. It's no longer a kol of disaster. Now it's a kol of simcha. And the four weeks that followed after this, this uh, ceasefire, the, the enemy, the Frenchman, left from over here. And we started to repair the walls. The, 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 the city was built up. Hashem benched us that the second iteration of Preshburg was even more great and, and, and stronger than the first one. Okay, it says, 
He says, Bibasri tzedek b'kahal Hashem. When I when I expressed that you know the completion that we've made it, we've survived, we're done in the kahal Hashem. I said it would be worthy if we were to establish a day to say thank you to Hakadosh Baruch Hu for this uh, for this meifus that He saved us. So He says as follows: We can never say thank you enough. Let's do what we can and let's not be a kafei teva. So he says, He says, the day that, that appealed to me was the fifth day of Parsha Shmois, Thursday of Parsha Shmois. Shehi Tainus Shavivim. That's the day of the Tainus of Shavivim. So he says, what happened? And here you get a great description of what Shavivim looked like, you know, 200 years ago. Not, what Shavivim looked like, you know, just Messiah Lefituma, 200 years ago. Says the Sefer. Hisanu Rav Ekol Bnei Akhila Kedosh Hashem Yishmureim. Most, almost all or all of the Kehila fasted. Ubeshachra Sachra Atvila. Incidentally, we said the same pismainim, the same slichas that we would say on a tainus that we were making to ask for salvation, we said on a tainus, that's the tainus of Shevavim. Um, now here you hear, so one second, so let's just, let's just take note of the, of the components that the Chumsev is mapping us out for us, what's included in the Shevavim. So A, he says, almost all of the Kehila fasted. So, now, so we know fasting, a certain measure of fasting seems to be part of Shevim. Second, he says, we said special mizmairim that you say in a tainus. So now we know slichus is part of the, the Shevim itinerary. He continues, Everybody brought his donation to the two Gaboyim, the smallest donation, 18, I guess, pennies, whatever, whatever the smallest you know, coin is. The they brought it, and then so one second, so just to, to note, we have our fourth component. This seems to be some sort of tzedakah component. I suppose a person, every person, like a kaifer nefesh, every person is supposed to give a certain tzedakah component on shevim. And then he continues, and then we made a pidyon nefesh two different ways. Now, I won't get into details over here, but there's two, you know, Kabbalistic different ways, different grouping of numbers that the sefer uses. To, to create Pidyon. So that's the sixth component that we have. There's some sort of kahila wide Pidyon that's in specific denominations that the kahila makes as a Pidyon on Shevim. And, okay, and then he says, we lay in the Achikach Amarna Mizma Hashem, Zachreinu, then he talks about Mincha, we said, Vayichal by Mincha, we lay in, we said, we lay in Vayichal by Mincha, we said, you can pork him in Shemaya, Misha Beirach, etc., etc. Okay, and then he says, by the way, the money it came out of Achikach Chilaknu Amoyes Laniya Yair. When we were done with these various kaifer nefesh and pedyonis, we distributed the money to the niyir. It ended up being somewhere in the vicinity of six hundred gold coins, which must have been a lot. Now he says leis mincha That that was all shachas leis mincha erev achatilas mincha the kriyas vayichal mincha we did with kriyas atayra vayichal. Now we're betzibu chalbat eknesayis mimizmer kuf zayin veilch. We said the back third of tehillim from kapital kuf zayin all the way to the end of tehillim, the back third of tehillim. Because that, that uh, third of Tehillim is full of different shvachas that say thank you to HaKadosh Baruch for saving us. Okay, and then like a Then we made a That's how he ends off. He says, this is the the day that we chose to be a day of thanks to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to make like a communal Suda Seidah of sorts was Yom Hei of Shevim. And in this, the Chesim Sefer charts out 
what we counted out to be six components of how a shavivim looked Mesiyach Lefitumi 200 years ago. So Aleph, the, the, let's just say what's missing from this. What's omitted from this is the obvious one, is what we've all heard most about, specific Averis and the Kedusha Vitahara and, and all that, which we'll see, of course, comes from somewhere. The Chesim Sefer doesn't mention it at all. Chesim just mentions it as, as Beteris Shevach Vaidah, Beteris being Kilu, like Azman Mesugal. Ace Mesugal of Korvet HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And, and for example, the, there's a Sefer told this Aaron from Rabbi Aaron of Jitamar, he's a Talmud of the Kedushas Levi, where he says, Shavivim is like a Saris Mechuva, it's Le'es Mitzay. It's like a Hamelech Basada type of thing. The, the, it's a Le'es Mitzay, it's his man for all Korvet HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's not specific, it's his man for Tshuva. Now this is some So now let's just, let's wind this back a step. So now, we, we led with the fact that Shavivim, the Minhagim of Shavivim, and the Rat Musker, and the Shulchan Aruch, the Rambam, the Rif, any of the Sefer Halacha. So, what do you say? We're not going to leave that out. Yeah. So. When, when I say Shulchan Aruch, I mean the Mechaber and the Ramah. I mean the Mechaber and the Ramah. I don't mean anyone who's on the page. I mean the Mechaber, the Ramah, the Rambam, the Rif, the Gedele Rishenim, the Gedele Paiskim, don't bring down this, uh, any of the Minhagim of Shavim. Now, the earliest place before the Magan Avram is a Lavush. The Lavush is a Talmud of the Marshal, a Talmud of the, Mas- of the, of the Ramah. Uh, you know, one of the primary links, I guess you could say, between the Magan Avram, the Taz, the Shach, etc., and the Ramah and the Marshal. Almost, uh, you won't go a page in Shulchan Aruch where the Magen Avram, Taz Shach won't quote a Lavosh. The Lavosh is the, one of the primary links. Now the Lavosh in Simon Tafresh Pehe, which is the, the Simon about the Dalad, the Dalad, um, the Arba Parshiyos, which is where the Magen Avram is. So the Lavosh brings down the whole Seder of like which Parshiyos. We lay in the whole year, basically. He, he links straight from Hanukkah all the way to Purim. Every Parsha with every Aftira. And then at the end of it there, he brings as follows. He says, Yesh Mekayim is so now if you pay attention to the way the Lavosh says, the Lavosh says the minig is to be kaveya tainus. The core minig of shayvim was to be kaveya tainus. L'chol chamishi l'parshi shayvim tat. But there was one thing that I swallowed over there. He says b'shnasa iber. The, 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 the Lavosh says in an iber yar, the weeks of shayvim tat, which includes shmois ve'ei rabbi b'shalach yisem shvat mitruma and tesava, that's the tat, the two tafs. There's a minig to fast. On Yom Chamishi, v'heim parshi Yishmoi Zvei counts them out for us. The Kairim b'shachros parshas Shavua, v'aymrim Shem Yisrael b'mincha Kairim v'yechal u'maftir and dirshu. We do the regular Kriya and Aftir of a Tainus. V'noigin kain v'pnei shashana arucha. Now here, pay attention. Here you can have a reason. V'noigin kain zokter v'pnei shashana arucha. The year is long. Sheyesh yoiser mechatzi shana b'im b'hab demarcheshvan le'b'hab de'ir. Only in an Ibriyark is this true. In a regular year, b'hab of cheshvan and b'hab of ear are not more than six months apart. He says in an Ibriyar, you have seven months between Bahab of, of Ir and Bahab of Marcheshvan. So meaning you have no tshuva days, no days that are mesugal, that are meyuchad for tshuva for over six months, which is more than a chatzi yishana. Says the Lavush, and he's not, he's, he's not the first one to make, he's not making this up, this comes from him, I'll show you in a second. Says the Lavush, since more than six months passes between that Bahab and this Bahab, Shem Yimei Tainis Vekapar Yisrael, Lekach Mesana Ches Yamim, that's why we fast eight days, Keneged Achaydash Ha'ibar. Can I get the extra month, the additional month of Chaydash Eber? Now, if I'll ask you, how is eight days? What did you say? What is eight days? What's eight days? So if you do the math, if Chaydash Eber is an extra month, an extra month is comprised of four weeks. Traditionally, when we make Tanesim, we do Beis Vehei, Bahab. So if you do every Beis Vehei of the Chaydash Eber, it comes out to eight fast days that we should be doing during this Chaydash Eber. We should do eight fast days. Says the Lavosh, but it's very hard to fast. It's such a consistent, intense schedule of bays, hey, bays, hey, bays, hey. So instead, we divided it up and we did just hey over eight weeks. 
Kilo, to make it a little, to make the load a little leichter, we took those eight tainesim. It's eight eight days of fasting. In an Ibrayar, there should be eight days of extra fasting because Hayois, we need to break up the year. We can't have six months empty of any tvila. And we're going to do Bahab for the whole, for the whole month of the Ibrayar. So Bahab for a whole month of Ibrayar is eight days. Eight days is too much to do with one big sidra like that. So you break it up. Shmois gets one, Ve'eri gets one, Boy gets one, etc. And you have your eight tainesim spread over eight weeks. Now, he's not the first one to say this. It really comes from earlier Ashkenazic Svarim, Rev. Isaac Turnauer, Rev. Yitzchak Turnauer. There's a Talmud of the Chumash Adeshen. Uh, I'm going to forget the name of it, but everyone knows it. The Sefer from the Chumash Adeshen's Talmud. Totally. Help me out here. It's, uh, everyone knows what the name of the Sefer is. I'm just not remembering the second, but the Sefer from the, from the, from the, the Chumash Adeshen's Talmud where he writes about many different... Uh, uh, Minhagim from the Chumash Sadashan, and he writes that his Rebbe, the Chumash Sadashan, used to fast the Tanesim Shavim. So we know the Chumash Sadashan is a Rishon, used to fast it. So we know early Ashkenazi Rishonim fasted it. This Tainus, the earliest Makaras, the early Ashkenazi Rishonim. Late, I'm sorry, late Ashkenazi, very late Ashkenazi Rishonim. Like borderline, that's the first Makaras. Not that I know of. Uh, oh, one second, yeah, yeah, sure, 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 sure. Sure, 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 sure. A lot of the piyutim and the tefilas that we have come from Svardi Kehilas. The, the, a lot of, yeah, because the, sh- the Svardim during the Tkufa, when Shavim became very popular, which is really during the Tkufa of the Mekubalim, you know, a little bit later, another 200 years after these Rishayim we're talking about, it was, it was popularized by the Talmidim of, of the Arizal, the Talmidim and the Talmidim, Talmidim of the Arizal, and they made up many piyutim. So in Kehilas that say piyutim and Shavim, which I don't think, I don't think anyone knows a piyut that actually says, you know, I, I don't think anyone here has ever been, what did he say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like Yechidim, you know, a shul here, a shul there that actually do Minhagi Shevim the real way that Minhagi Shevim are done. But a lot of those Putim come from Svarik Ilis. Not, not uh, Spanish Portuguese, not, not, you know, the primary ones, more like Italian and Moroccans and different, uh, different other Svarik Ilis. But and where, where did this connection between Shevim? Hang on, we're getting there. We're getting there. I'm just showing that that it start, I'm just showing that it starts earlier, and it's an it's an original in its in in its you know first Gilgal in its first Gilgal. Shavim has nothing to do with that. Shavim has to do with the year being very long and there being a need to do some tshuva. That's what Shavim has to do with, and and the and this lush now. In Nibriyah, because we need extra. I mean, in, in the Kiddush Hakodesh, right? Yeah, exactly. One hundred percent. So we need this this extra this extra thing. Now the Magen Avram, as like a footnote in Tafresh Pehei, also brings down the same. He quotes Lavosh. He brings this psak, and uh, and from there many others. The Shla and and many other places can bring it. But if you'll notice, the first I don't know two three hundred years of Haskaras of the Minhagim of Shavuim don't say a word about any specific averus a, eh? and they also miyuchad say Shavuim tat. It's only in an Ibriya. They be no tzairich. To fast in a regular year, in a regular year where you don't have a six-month gap between Bahab of, of, of after Sukkot and Bahab after Pesach, there would be no reason for it. That's it's for kedusha. Oh, yeah, that could be a makar. Interesting. Well, the Gemara, yeah, because people do averus on Yom Tif, Yeah, hundred percent. But but uh, so now, so let's get to so so where does the the narrative that we're all more familiar with, the narrative of being for specific averus, come from? So that comes from that Rizal and Talmidim. Chaim Vital in, in many places and many other Talmidim that Rizal. <laughs> Write specifically that these weeks of Shavivim that are meant for fast days are miyuchad mesugul to be mechaper on certain averis. Meaning, every tkufa is miyuchad mesugul to be mechaper on certain averis. And these, this tkufa of the year is very mesugul to be mechaper on those averis. 
So when one is fasting and one is davening, when one, one is being Moisif Kedusha, focus on these specific, you know, these specific Yaveris that are connected to Tahara, and because this is your best opportunity to, to be Misak in them. Now, for example, Islam, way later than the Arizal's Tamidim, you'll find in a lot of Chsidish Svarim that this Kuf of Shaivim is very Misak and Midis. For example, let's say Atzvos, Kas, Gaiva, etc. Not Tafkadi specific Yaveris, and Atkadi Kach, there's, a, there's a, a lot of literature of different Chsidish Svarim tying to every parsha which midi is supposed to work on. Shmois is atzvus. I, I didn't even go into it too much, but Shmois is atzvus, for example, and, and Va'eru Bikas, and Gaiva, and there's like a lot of literature to figure out, because Kaidua, we, we know from that Rizal and Islam, that every, the parsha of the week forever maintains some connection to the Murat, to the time that's going on. So we're in parsha's uh, Va'eru, does it talk about being Misak and Kas? And we're in Parsha's Truma, does it talk about being Misak and another Midah? So the, in the Chsidish Svarim, there's a, there's a big Arichas on these Midahs, not just on, on the Kedusha Vitara. Now, the, the Tikkun of Kedusha Vitara, so we know, I don't think we know much about a specific Mahalach. Amongst the Mukubalim, there's, there's endless you know, Arichas in the Pratim of the Tikkunim and how one should go about it and what you do to be Misak in it in specific Tfilas and specific days. And I'm not going to get into that because I don't think that the Minig that we have who reflects that. Meaning, maybe they're like, in Rav Gamliel Rabinovich's yeshiva in Shara Shemayim, I saw someone sent me a clip, he says, Shevim uh, was meant for specific Averis, Kaidua, and uh, regular people, uh, we didn't even have Shaykhs to, to be misakin on them, he's so far from them. By Uns, we have people who don't have Shaykhs to the Avera Bukhlal, who are going to do all the Tikkunim for these Averis. So you could buy in, and you could have them, or you know, so it may be in certain uh, circles, it was a fundraising pitch, I don't think it was an unabashed fundraising pitch, but in certain circles of maybe, you know, elite mikubalim, yeshiva semikubalim, you might have still the actual, what do you say? Yeah, exactly. The actual, like, seder atikon and the seder atfilus and the specific ones that they do, that, that's maybe only in, in, in very miyuchad places. And, and some of the sources, some of these piyutim is, is a great deal, and it comes from the, the Sefer Chemdas Yamim, which I know you know about. Uh, you know, not so simple where everything comes from that safer, so it's fine. <coughs> now, I just want to talk about uh, what, what became in the modern era a more popular like, expression of this, of this drive to focus on, on Averis and Tara is that we, in, in many kahilas, there'll be shiurim on the halachas that are relevant to a person's daily life that involve, you know, Kedush and Tara, etc., right? There'll be shiurim, many shuls will have a few shiurim on, 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 on the halachas that are relevant to these inyanim. So, really, it's 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 it starts from the chsidim. To be honest with you, that the the Kotzke, the Kotzke Rebbe writes extremely strongly that the ultimate meaning kilo. Uh, what I'm trying, what I'm saying is it starts from the is that the, the Kotzke writes that the ultimate tikkun for this avera is not all the piyutim and and, and sidra and tehillim and whatever. The tikkun is being oisik b'tayra bi'iyun, and he has a whole explanation in Kabbalah why learning tayra bi'iyun is dafka the the the, the <laughs> Tikkun for this Avera. And many other Chsidim, Baal Tanya writes it, and the Kotzke writes it, many other Chsidim. But I want to read just a piece from Chaim Velozhner in Keser Roish, in the end of Keser Roish, which is Chaim Velozhner's Sefer on Hagis, which is, you know, for us a, a very chash of a source. So Chaim Velozhner writes, he has Hilchus Tshuva Maisim Tevim at the end of his, of Keser Roish. Now he's not, I, he's not talking about specifically Shevivim. He's not talking about specifically Shevivim, but I want to read you what he says. He says, Tshuva Lahanichshel. Someone who was Nikshal and Averis that we're talking about. He says, Amar Hu. It's written by a, by a Talmud. Said Rav Chaim Velazhan as follows. 
the, the Shoyal was writing to him, and we have other sources. Rechaim Velazhen wrote this in Nefesh HaChayim. He wrote it in his Pirish on Pirkei He wrote it many times. The, the Taina that he's answering is Ke'ilu. The Zayar and the Gemara Nida and many, many Sifrei Musar are full of Shreklich descriptions of what happens to a person and, and et cetera, et cetera. And the amount of Tanesim, an inordinate amount of Tanesim that a person has to fast, et cetera. Says of Chaim, Kishaisik Batayra, ain't Sarach Lidig. A person doesn't have to worry, Klau. He asked his Rebbe the Goyen, showed the Goyen, look, 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 it says in this Sefer, look, it says in this Sefer, look, a whole list, a whole litany of different Svarim uh, describing the Chaymer Ha'inyan. Ma'oid b'inyan hazesh, etzarach lizbo yisurim kashim rurim kimavas, ve'en takano kiyim b'misa mamash ayin sham shenemar v'afar achiyikach, ab'seif ha'maymer b'tikun ha'zayar nimtze davar toiv l'meven. At the end of the Maimur in the Tikkun Ezeir, is something that's uh, good for people to pay attention to. Shekasav, Avalei Raisa, the Torah, Oyrech Yamim B'yamino V'chulu. It just ends off like it's like a Medrash Plia. At the end of it, it says, Avalei Raisa, Oyrech Yamim B'yamino. It doesn't even, the, the Tikkun Ezeir doesn't even tie it back in. Says Rebchayim V'lajna B'Shem Degoyin, Pirush, Shematzelis Min Amisa. Torah saves from Misa. Ubismoyla Aisha V'kavad, the Saif of that Pasuk, Shematzelis Min Yisurim Kashim Kamisa. It saves from Yisurim that are hard like Misa. This is Rechaim Velazhina's critique at the end. He says, the Sifri Musa, they just leave out that last line that the Tikkun Ezeir says. And it just, because it doesn't, the Tikkun Ezeir doesn't wrap it up. It just says, It doesn't say what it means. It doesn't say what it wants. And it says Rechaim Velazhina in the name of the Goyen. What the Tikkun Ezeir was saying is at the end of it, is that there's a shortcut. Yeah, everything we said, all the Sifri Musa, all the Tikkunim, all the thing, there's a shortcut. And, and from here, and similar sources like this, is where a great minig developed in Klai Yisrael to focus on the limratayr aspect of it, meaning the, the easiest kilo shortcut, most direct shortcut to kilo address what these weeks are about and what they have the potential to be misakin without actually going into any of the Kabbalistic uh, tikkunim and charts and figuring it out is tayr. If Chaim Velazhin writes in, 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 in Pirkei Avis or in, in Nefesh Chaim, says rather a great play in word, he says... Uh, Torah, you learn it, it spreads around, it takes over your whole, your whole, your whole thing. It says, Lashen, he says, the, the, the Mishnah Pegavis describes Torah, it says, Machshurasai liyas tzadik v'chasid. Hechshur means like, Hechshur l'kabotoma, or kosher, kashras, it prepares, right? Like it says, Hechshur means a different play in a word. Lashen Hechshur means Hagala v'libun. Like when you kasher a keli. Like you do Hagala and Liban on a keli, you kasher a keli. It says, V'libun mi pigul giuli ara The Torah is like Hagala. It's like Hechsher. It's like putting it in, 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 uh, in Hechsher v'libun. The Torah is referred to as fire. Fire heats. So fire does Liban. Fire does, does uh, Hechsher. Shim al-abnasoy ha-machshirasoy v'chenisa p'tanchuma sh'atayrim et-tahara Liban v'kliyasen sh'atamid ha-chachamim. The Torah purifies like Libun, the, the lev and the kloyos of a Tamil Chacham. So Rechaim Velazhner, in many places, he does it in Nefesh he does it here, he does it in Ruach Chaim. He's very pushing this uh, shortcut that the Goyen told him, that a shortcut for all Tikkunim and for all Averis is to do Limra Teira. And, and, and Lemaisa, this is something that became very popular in the Chesidah Shevelt and in the Litvah Shevelt. There's many, many greater rabbis who are very, who are very strongly pushing that Teira and Limra Teira Be'iyan and Limra Teira is the ultimate tikkun. So, so the specific fasts and tanesim and etc. kind of fell to the wayside. And it became much more focused on learning specific halachas during these kufas that, that is the shortcut to tikkun. Now, I just want to end with Mamash a tidbit. A tidbit. I think like some safe to, to, to summarize what we're saying over here is what it, what it seems to me is that shavim is an opportunity. 
Shavim is like you get an extra dose of the curve of Aseris Mechuva or Bahab in the middle of the winter. In the middle of a cold winter, we have a long time between Yimei Tshuva and Yimei Tshuva. We get another opportunity. I came across something that I just, I think, uh, it, it explains this type of thing. I just wanted to share because it it's interesting to me. There's a, a brysa in Kalarabsi. Kalarabsi is in the back of the Zara now. It's, Rechaim Kanyevsky said that it's part of Talmud Bavli. It's Gemara. It's regular Gemara. Maisa, we didn't have it. None of the Rishayim and Achayim had it for a very long time. It was published the first time like in the early 1800s. They collected bits and pieces from here. We didn't have the, the whole Kalarabsi. But in Kalarabsi, it says a story, a story as follows. And this is really a PSS to our, all our Nittal and Yeshu stuff. It says a story as follows. That there was two, three Tanoim were sitting on Harabayas. Rakiva, Tafran, and Rebelazah were sitting on Harabayas. And two children passed by them. And one of them wasn't wearing a yarmulke, which was a tremendous chutzpah to walk past the chachamim in the Vesamikdash. And the other one was, or al when he passed by the chachamim, he took his yarmulke out of his jacket and he put it on. The machlikas in the, the mafarshim on the Kalarabsi. So that the Tanam sitting there, they comment and they say, Kamachatzif hayinuka, like, look, this, this kid's mamish grace uh, And one of them says, yeah, he must, have, he must be a ben anida. And the other one says, yeah, he must be a ben another psal. Cesar Bakiva, who was the youngest, who was the Talmud, so Bakiva says, he's, nah, he's a mamzer. It's more than everything. He's a mamzer. And there are some uh, historians and Sefer Itis who believe that this Kalarapsi is another version in Chazal referring to, to Yeshu. So that's why it's a PSS to whatever we're talking about. But, so the story continues. The, the Kalarapsi continues the story. It says that the, the people sitting around jumped in Rebbe and they said, how, how do you have the chutzpah to argue in your Rebbe to say something outlandish? He's a mamzer. Like, how can you possibly know that? How are you backing that up? So Rebbe says, I'll show you. I'll back it up. He says he goes, he does research and he finds the kid's mother selling uh, small trinkets in, in a shuk. And he goes over it. Then he says, no, tell me the story with your son. Well, what, what's the backstory with your son? She says, my son? No, nah, coach of Yosha, regular kid. He says, no, no, tell me for real. And if you tell me, if you tell me, I'm going to bring you to Elam Haba. He says, oh, really? That's a good deal? And she tells him, and yeah, he's a mamzer. That's what she tells him the story. So the, so the Gemara ends off. It comments, wow, Rabbi Kiva, Ashrecha Rabbi Kiva, that, uh, that he was able to see even tifa than everybody else. So now, says the Gemara, the Gemara has a kasha. The Gemara says, but Lamaisa, how could Rebekah promise her Elam Haba? It's not his to give out. How does Rebekah promise her Elam Haba? So the Gemara says, either it was Nishba, but Veliba, was Liba Lehe Shave, and it's a Dvarm Shabalev, it's a Sugya, or he said it in a misleading like term. He said, Animevi Lehelam Haba, I bring people to Elam Haba. And he could be he's referring to his Talmidim or to, you know, the people who anyhow going to Elam Haba. He wasn't actually promising her Elam Haba. That's the, the second version. Says of Chaim Kanyevsky in his beer on Kalarapsi, he touches as follows. Of course, Rebekah couldn't promise her Elam Haba. He couldn't give her Elam Haba. It's not his to give out. Rebekah was saying is, I have enough pull that I could get you an appointment by the Bezin Shalmala. You're a person who, when you die, it should be straight to Gehenim. Like, you don't belong here, you don't have, you're not going to get a, a hearing. You're going to get just a summary judgment. I'm very connected. I could get you a hearing. I can bring you in front of the Bezin Shemal, in front of Kaddish Baruch You'll get a hearing. From there, already it's in your hands. That's, that's Rav Chaim's actually, which is a... So I'm going to read the to think of in the Gemara. So just... Uh, well, is there, isn't it broadly yeah, that we call that veil of, of On the Bezin, I don't know exactly where it says that. Yeah. People say that. I don't, I don't know exactly where that comes from. But there's a lot of this type of I'm saying the Gemara itself... I'm saying the Gemara itself asked the Kasha. Yeah, exactly. No, my point is, my point is, my point is, my point is, I think that we have a very easy time talking like this. Any, any gadol, any person, like, you can bring everyone to Elam Hava. The Kalarapsi, the Gemara itself, he critiques Rebbe Akiva and says, like, 
How can you talk like that? I'm just literally just quoting the Gemara. And this is what, this is what the Brisa, Gemara, whatever you want to call it. It's Zichr. It's Zichr comes from the base medrash of the, of the G'day Le'amiroim. It's Zichr from the same time as Talmud Bavli. And if you don't want to call it Talmud Bavli. Maybe, maybe. I'm just saying the way the, way the Mepharshim learned it is not like that. And, and so just to, to circle back around, why am I saying this? I think that probably the best way to describe what Shavivim and all these Yamim that, mus, that are Mesugalim for Kapara is, is an appointment. We have enough pull that we get an appointment. What you do with it, how you think, it's an appointment. That, that's the connection. Okay, to be continued.